I want to pick up the book of Matthew, chapter number two, starting with verse number 13. This past weekend, I did Christmas at North and preached from Matthew, chapter two, verse one through 12. Now I'm going to continue with verse 13. It says, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and his Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on, what the, wise, on the wise men's report for the star's first appearance. Herod's, get this, brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to speak to each one of us. Father, we thank you right now for your word. And God, I pray you open up our ears to hear, our hearts to receive. And then God, give us the faith to act on what you do in our hearts and lives tonight. I pray this in Christ's name. And everyone said a big amen. You may be seated. I've had the privilege of being at all three of our children's um, births. But let me just say, uh, it's not always a pretty sight. Uh, It can be quite brutal. Uh, The entire process from conception all the way to delivery is an amazing thing to me. Uh, It never gets old when I watch other people go through and have a child. But I just think it's one of these amazing miracles. But standing there by your wife and watch her go through that process of delivery is quite painful to watch. It's a brutal experience. But what is so brutal turns out to be so beautiful. And the title of my message is From Brutal to Beautiful. And the whole message of the gospel and Christmas is how God takes something that is so brutal and makes something so beautiful out of it. Because the Christmas story is a brutal story. We have our commercialized, the lots, the packages, the not neatly wrapped gifts, um, the reefs, the beautiful, beautiful things that we see. But really, you go back to the first Christmas, it wasn't so beautiful, it was pretty brutal. Just even the suspicion around Joseph and Mary, the rumors about them. This young couple, what really happened? And then you've got her pregnancy and going 90 miles to do what the census has asked them to do, to be at this certain place at a certain time. And she's pregnant, way pregnant. And you've got to travel all this distance. And how are they going to get there? There's no Uber and Lyft. There's no car to drive her. There's no train. They're going to be walking that entire distance. At best, she may have ridden a donkey. 
But come on, women, any of you have had children, can you imagine at seven and eight months riding a donkey for 90 miles? Quite brutal. And then they get there and they deliver a baby, maybe in a barn, maybe in a cave, whatever the scenario. It was not in a hospital. It wasn't posh conditions. It was not that you had a doctor and a nurse and a help somebody. No, 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 no. She had a young man who was probably in his late teens or early 20s helping deliver this baby. That's brutal. And it doesn't get any better. Fast forward to the end of Jesus' life at 33 years of age. He is wrongly convicted of a crime that he did not commit. He goes to hang on a cross, but before he goes to the cross, he has a crown of thorns placed on his head. He has his beard plucked out. He is spit upon. He is beaten with a cat of nine tails that reaps down and just literally rips off the skin off of his back all the way down to the bones. And then he's hung on a cross like a common criminal with nails between his wrist and in his feet. That's brutal. Isaiah compared that scene with imagery that would just amaze you. As he says it this way, you could not even recognize who he was on the cross. In fact, he says to even look hurt, you could not stand to look up on the scene that was before you. That's brutal. Oh, but God takes brutal things and he makes beautiful things out of them. And in your life, maybe you're dealing with some brutality, some struggles, bad things. In this story that we just read, Herod did some brutal things, killing every child in and around Bethlehem, two years of age and under. That is unthinkable. It says in the word there, his brutal actions. And maybe some of you are facing brutal things in life. We all face them. Sometimes they come as unexplainable problems. Stuff like, what's happening? What's going on in my life? I mean, COVID-19 is that, right? Out of nowhere comes unexplainable problems that we're still trying to get our grasp on. We're still trying to figure out. And something we can't even see has caused the whole world to come to a sliding stop. The economy has been frozen. Things have changed drastically for all of us. Unexplainable problems. And they come in many forms. How about unbearable people? Sometimes we have those in our life. Matter of fact, some of you are going to gather with people over the next couple of days that are unbearable. I mean, like that cousin, that uncle, that aunt, whoever it, may be, whoever it may be. Some of you may live with unbearable people. Some of you work with unbearable people. Some of you have a neighbor that's unbearable. Some of you will run into somebody at the store or supermarket that is unbearable. Some of you were driving down the road today and were cut off in lane, and you know what? You realize they're unbearable. And then there's unavoidable pain. We all have unavoidable pain. It's coming our way whether we like it or not in some form or fashion. Maybe it's physical and our body hurts. Maybe it's from past decisions that we made. Maybe it's from what somebody else did to us in the past that still haunts us. Maybe it's emotional and mental torment. Maybe it's financial choices or decisions or stuff that's out of your control that's caused pain in your life. Those are very real 
things that all of us deal with. But the message of the gospel is this, is that the message of Christmas is about God making something beautiful out of something that is so brutal. Somebody say amen to that. This past week, I had somebody tap me on the shoulder after a message, and they looked me in the eye, and I saw kind of a twinkle in their eye, and they said to me this, and the the history of, of a struggling marriage was very real that I've prayed for them and and he just simply tapped me on the shoulder and looked me in the eye and he said, God is doing something great in my marriage. I, I I I want you to know right now, if you have something that is unbearable, unexplainable, if you have something that's out of your control, if you have something that's brutal in your life, my God can turn something that is brutal into something that is beautiful. Do you believe that? What is it? He can do it. He can do it. So how does he turn the brutal things into something so beautiful? Let me give you some thoughts. First, the presence of God. First is the presence of God. My, my grandchildren, I'm talking about my grandchildren, okay? Um, Shepard, just a few months old. Gideon, who just turned 20 months old. How many like to see a picture of Gideon? Hey, that's a pretty good response. Here's Gideon right here. This is Gideon. Come on. Yay, that's my buddy. That's my buddy. I'm looking forward to seeing him tomorrow, spending time together with him. Cuteness. <laughs> but lately, he's been going through some phases where noises scare him, strangers. And what happens is that he immediately runs to what he thinks is safe. And so the other day I was walking with him and some neighbor comes up and Gideon's about 10 feet away from me. He's playing, having fun, and he sees the neighbor coming up. I'm talking to the neighbor. The next thing I know, Gideon is hanging onto my legs, between my legs. His kind of face kind of hit, just pushed into my leg. And I just, it dawned on me, that was the first time I noticed it. He was scared. And he was running to me for protection. And sometimes when life is beating you down, you gotta have somewhere to go. And the best place that you can go is to the presence of God. The Bible says, and the Lord, the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Did you get that? You see, because when you are facing difficult times, the Lord will show up for you. The Lord will show up when you are reading scripture And you're all of a sudden, you don't know where to turn, and there will be something that will jump off the pages of God's word and will grab your heart. Sometimes when you are in the darkest of moments, you could be driving down the road, it could be a simple whisper of a word that, peace, I've got this, but my God can give you what you need when you need it. And you know what God said to them in the dream? Get up and flee and go to Egypt. You see, sometimes God will prepare the way ahead of you when you didn't even realize what was going to happen in the future. You see, right now, God is preparing something something for you that's going to come down the road in the next few months. You don't even know about it yet. Do you realize that the wise men showed up for Joseph and Mary and they gave them what? Gold and frankincense and myrrh. Those were precious things that was 
tied with a lot of money. You know what Joseph and Mary didn't realize? They didn't realize that a wild, crazy nut named Herod was going to try to kill off all the young boys. They were going to have to flee and go to Egypt, and they were going to use that gold, that frankincense, and that myrrh to live off for the next several years before they get back. You see, my God knows your tomorrows, and my God will take care of you. And when you feel the brutal actions of the world, run to the presence of God. Also, the promises of God are very important. When you feel life beating you down, when it's uncertain, go back to the promises of God. About a month and a half ago, I had a CT scan, entire body CT scan. When I got done with that, um, they began to point out all of the issues in my spinal cord. They talked about all of the deterioration specifically the L4, the L5, and they begin to name all this stuff, and they begin to ask me, like, are you in pain? What, kind, what is your pain level? And I'm like, I'm not in pain. And they're like, man, that, this is quite amazing because we see people that are not near this bad that are in much worse pain than you are. And I told them my story. My story was, for the last many, many years, I've had immense pain in my back. Pain that when I would get up in the morning would take me 15 to 30 minutes to really be able to function because of the pain. Restless nights because of the pain. Sundays were one of the worst times for me because I would be up on my feet from about seven in the morning till about one in the afternoon, not stop standing, talking to people, worshiping, up speaking. And I would go home and the rest of the day was miserable for me all the way into Monday of trying to recover because of back pain. About 12 years ago, a physical therapist in church, a friend of mine, really began to say, hey, I feel like God has given me something for you in regards to changing your posture, changing your spinal cord. And he said, but it's gonna take a lot of hard work. It's not going to be easy. I'm gonna give you a regimen. I'm gonna give you a sleeping way to sleep. I wanna give you all this stuff, but you can't just do it a little bit. You're gonna have to do it day in, day out, hours on end, you gotta be constantly aware and begin to reshape how your body is structured. I accepted that challenge and I put it into motion and it was brutal. It seemed like there was more setbacks than move forwards. It was hard, but I kept working the promise that he gave me and I kept doing what I needed to do. And about four years ago, there was a shift that I began to notice. And in the last year and a half, there has been a major breakthrough where I can literally say within the last year, I don't have back pain. I wake up in the morning, no pain. I will be up hours on end standing and I can go back with no pain. I can say, God, that is a miracle and it's his miracle. But you know what God also used? He used people and he used a guy promising me, if you do this, it will change your life. Let me just tell you something. Sometimes we look at God's promises and we want to just simply claim them and we want to like sprinkle a little dust and all of a sudden all of our problems are gone. But sometimes the promises of God are not pleasurable, but you've got to give yourself to the process. And if you obey the promises of God over time, he will bring about the miracle and the purpose in your life. Is somebody listening? Because we want all the nice, easy 
come, miracles, boom, it's all over. But sometimes God says, no, no, I want you to get up and just obey me day in, day out, follow my promises, do what I say, and when you do them day in, day out, I will begin to miraculously transform your life and your marriage and your job and your finances and bring something that was so brutal to something that is so beautiful. The last thing is this, is the pardon of God. Let me give you a definition of pardon. It's the releasing from an offense without exacting penalty. Releasing from an offense without exacting penalty. Over the next few weeks, you're gonna hear a lot about presidential pardons. And it's not something unique to President Trump. It's something it's every president has done at the end of their time frame in office. As of about a week ago, President Trump had pardoned like 28, I believe, but you can expect many more to come. Barack Obama did around 200. George W. Bush did around 200. Clinton did about 300 and something. Um, The other George Bush did like 180 something, 150 something. Ronald Reagan, 350 something. It's a very common thing. And what what happens is that they have the right to give an executive order that no matter what that person has done, if the president signs off a pardon on them, whatever has been hanging over them, whatever they've been charged with is immediately erased and removed. Think about that for just a moment. Think about the impact that is for somebody's life. And so there's been presidents and there's going, and President Trump will do the same. He will sign off on somebody that may be in prison. And the moment he signs off, somebody will walk up to that prison door, put a key in that door, open it up and raise it up and say, you're free to go. I want you to hear me because what Jesus did on the cross when he said it is finished and it looks so brutal and he took his last breath, when he said it is finished, He was opening prison doors for you and for me. He was signing our pardon. And this is not the president of the United States, which is the most powerful man on the face of the planet. I'm talking about the most powerful being that's ever been and that's ever will be, the one who created everything and spoke it into existence. He died upon that cross and said, it is finished. He went to a borrowed tomb because he was only gonna need it for three days. And at the end of three days, he kicks out the end of the tomb, victorious over death and hell, convinced and signed our pardon forever. The question is, have you received that? So while the prison doors have been opened, have you walked out in freedom? Have you received the forgiveness that God has given you? It's kind of like me. Hey, if I, somebody in this place says, you know what, I'm going to pay off Pastor Rodney Fouts's and Shannon's mortgage. They're not going to have to ever have a mortgage again, which you can do that. I'd be happy if you did that. <laughs> but if I continue to pay that mortgage after it's paid off, it's ludicrous. And there's a lot of people that live their life that way. They're trying to pay off something that Jesus paid for them. You can't do it. For some, Joseph, you, you, get, you got this cloud that's hanging overheads and we're still allowing that cloud. When God has actually removed that, you know what? If there's any condemnation, if there's any shame, if there's any 
cloud of doubt, it's because the devil is lying to you and he is the father of lies. My God has taken your sins and he has cast them as far as east is from the west. He has buried them in the sea of forgetfulness. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be made as white as snow. I'm talking about the pardon from God. And all you have to do is receive that pardon. It's been provided for you. It's already done. You have to work for that, but you do have to receive by faith what he has given to you. And when I'm gonna pray in just a moment, I'm gonna pray a sinner's prayer, and I want all of us to pray it together. And for some of you, you're gonna pray this for the first time. But let me just tell you something about praying this prayer. Just because you that pray a prayer does not make you a transformed person and a new creation. Hear me. Jesus never said, pray this prayer, and here's the exact words you pray. You know what he said was, you gotta die to yourself, you gotta take up your cross, and you gotta follow me. Now the prayer that we're gonna pray, hopefully is because you decide to do that. You decide, I'm gonna die to myself, I'm gonna take up my cross, and I'm gonna follow Jesus Christ. And that's not, you know, that you come back to church in Easter and you just kind of check the box every so many times. No, it's, it's like you say every day, I'm waking up and Jesus is my king. The person who signs your pardon should be the one that you serve. <laughs> he is the one that you go to. Amen. Isn't God's word good? Amen. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? I want us to pray this prayer together as a church family. Join me out in the drive-in. Join me at Lexington Correctional Facility, at Freedom House in Guthrie, in Oklahoma City. Let's pray this together. But for some of you, it's a prayer that you are now leaving your old way of living. You're a new creation. Old is gone and all has become new. Let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have pardoned me. You have forgiven me of my sins. I receive that pardon in your name. The name of Jesus. Amen.